Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Today's guest is James Kewanui, and his organization is Ancient Wisdom Mentoring. And I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation today. But I wanted to share just real quick how I came to know James because I just love how the world works. I love how we get connected and these ways where we are all connected. And I feel have felt very supported by the universe to find my way to him. So let's see, a year and a half ago or more, I was in Mexico. I was in my Mexico time and a time when I was there. And I'm really good when I'm there because I see it and it's so obvious to do full and new moon meditations, little ceremonies, you know, just spending time with the moons. And in one of those, I was looking through Spotify to find music that I wanted to accompany me on my in my time with the moon. And I came across Ashana. So Ashana's music is ethereal, powerful, beautiful. She does a lot with singing bowls and also, I mean, just with her voice, you know, and between the two, her music moved me so much. And she does a version of Ave Maria that is just incredible. And it really resonated with me. So I became a, an instant fan and would play her music and played it a number of times and it different times. And then one time I was listening to him like, oh, I'm going to look into her a little bit more. And then then I see that she teaches, she supports you in, you know, getting connected with singing bowls. And she has this whole thing that she does other than provide this amazing, beautiful music. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, And then I had thoughts like, oh, I'd love to have her down here. Maybe she could support one of my retreats. I, my mind just started going. So I reached out to her and I ended up doing a whole this, I don't know, I forget what she calls it, but it was this beautiful journey that we went on that to call in what would be a group. I wanted to put together a group of singing bowls for myself. And we did that through this really beautiful, powerful process. And in the meantime, we're having conversations and I find out she's married to this wonderful man, James. I keep hesitating because I, I think I'm going to wait till he gets on just to make sure I keep saying his last name correctly. So I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, his work reclaiming his Hawaiian heritage and his roots, and then just going on his own huge healing journey to then want to offer it to others. So literally like a whole year, over a year goes by. And we did a pilgrimage in Hawaii last fall. And so I really got to understand what lineage means and just the depth and importance and just how I just had a lot of really powerful experiences there. And then I followed an urge at one point, I don't know, I saw his name on something and 
maybe it was something I got from Ashana or somehow he came across my screen. I'm like, I'm going to reach out to him. So I did. And we had a lovely connection. So I signed up and have done three sessions with him, three journeys, three 90-minute journeys, and they've been so powerful. So we decided I had to have him on the show, which is what we're going to do. And I'm super excited about it and blessed to be in his company. And I know you will be too. So let's do it. Well, I would love to welcome you all and welcome here with us today for our conversation, James Kawai Nui. Yes, we just practiced it before <laughs> before I hit record. Kawai Nui, James Kawai. Welcome, James. So glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. And yeah. don't feel bad about that because it's, in, it's for some reason, it's easy to get that tripped up because the Hawaiian pronunciation and then the English version of it seem counter to each other. Yeah, a little bit. So but I tell everybody, if you just take it and you break it into vowels, you know, in the Hawaiian language, there's only 13 letters. So there's all of the vowels and then there's eight consonants. So, and the beautiful thing about Hawaiian language is that one word can have 20 or 30 behind it's incredible. it. Incredible. And it all depends on the context, right? Mm. So ka is a prefix. Y is water. And nui means large or a lot. So so, oh, wow. so that's what kawai nui means of big water, really, if you if you look at it. Ah, like big water. Oh, and, I love that. And the way that it came to me in the meditation was because I had studied and done a, a, a little bit of work with Ko Young's um, teachings, right? Mm-hmm. He sees water or a body of water as a collective unconscious. And so I see the work that I do as mm-hmm. helping people dive into that collective unconscious. So I'm so glad I didn't know this. These nuances that and everything matters, right? Like I, I love hearing this. Thank you so much. So now I know we could just jump right in, but I do want to share a little bit with my audience here some of some things from your bio and so they can get to know you in that way a little bit more. But we'll be jumping in together and and you really create this conversation that I know I already know I'm going to enjoy, but I assume other people will too because I enjoy all of ours. Okay. So James is a native Hawaiian healer, mentor, and teacher with family roots going back over 20 generations in Hawaii. And I'd love to touch on that, just this importance of lineage, but we'll get there. His family are the shaman of his culture, and he brings that ancient wisdom into the work that he does. James's awakening came over 20 years ago when he first heard his kapuna ancestors. And I should probably let you share this story. I'll want you to add to it if you don't mind when just kind of put it out here. Okay. When he first heard his kapuna, the ancestors say, it's time to go home. They said he listened and walked away from a successful corporate career and moved back to Hawaii. Since then, his journey has been to understand his gifts on deeper and deeper levels. James is a spiritual strategist and works comprehensively with people who are on a personal journey to understand the deeper and oftentimes hidden parts of themselves by sharing practices, techniques, and insights that help people live their lives with more clarity, conviction, and purpose. He's also an expert in the causes and long-term effects of trauma, PTSD, chronic pain, stress, anxiety, and depression, and works with people 
on resetting the generational programming and self-limiting belief systems that have defined their lives. James's clients, including me, come from many walks of life and from all parts of the globe. Their backgrounds, either personal, professional, are driven by a need to find inner peace, clarity, and focus in their lives and a desire for deeper meaning in their existence. So James, this is so beautifully outlined, but now I'd love to hear you fill in here because and share a little bit more about your journey, if you don't mind, and then we'll jump into some specifics of the actual work. Not not at all. I don't mind at all. I haven't done this work all my life. Mm -hmm. That's really important for people to know because we go through phases in our life. And it's when we become aware of those phases and those transitions. And for me, what I did was I resisted it for a really long time. And it just got to that point where my point of my ancestors, and we can sidestep a little bit and talk about my aunt, uh, my lineage. My family goes back over 20 generations on the island of Hawaii, which is what people call the big island. They were the teachers. They were the masters. They were the advisors to the royal family. Part of my family is part of the royal family. And so when I work with people, what's happening is that's, it's as if they're whispering in my ear about the person that I'm sitting in front of. And so things happen when I'm working with someone that I actually don't even know how or, or where those things come from. I start asking people about things that happen in their life and about family members and, and situations that they've had and pointing out different places where I feel energy stuck in their body and helping people become more aware of their physical self. So if you ask me, James Mann, how I do that, I will say, I have no clue. <laughs> I just know that it happens. And, and the journey for me has been to slowly understand and allow that to happen. When I got that message, I was working for a very successful company. I, I answered to the president of our division. I had three departments of people that I was in charge of. We had a company jet and you know, I wine and dine expensive clients and, and all those things, you know, and I came home from work one Friday after a really long week because, you know, 60 hour weeks, 70 hour weeks, those are normal, right? Yeah. And sure. I had something happen that never happened to me. I literally felt somebody go like this and tap me in the back of the head. And I heard that voice that says, it's time to go home. And I turned wow. to my wife and, and I said, what the F are we doing here? And she said, I'm not sure. And I called my sister in Hawaii and I said, who's living at the beach house? And we're going to talk about the beach house a little bit more. Mm. And she said, no one. And I said, I think I'm coming home. And I went into my boss's office the very next day and I quit my job. Wow. I had no clue what I was going to do. I just knew that I couldn't do what I had been doing. Mm -hmm. And that tap in the head was so profound for me that I knew that I couldn't go back to the life that I had created. And that was over 23 years ago yeah. that that happened. And I walked away. Now, context, that house on the beach that I was talking about was actually a 20 by 20 shack that had a tin roof, no windows, and no electricity and no running water. So I went from having this amazing life doing yeah. all these things to actually living very basically, wow. basically. And Low electricity, no running water. I had to haul my own water. And I learned how to build solar panels that I could have lights at night. You know, but my front porch was the Pacific Ocean. So I, I lived in this little, this tin shack 
with this million dollar view. And I lived there for four years. Mm-hmm. And in that four years, I broke down. Like there were pieces of me that I had to let go of. And over the last 20, 20 or so years, it's been this journey of understanding that deeper and deeper. So now when I talk to people, I says, listen, you don't have to quit your job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to step and to move into that transformation, just to realize that there may be something missing in your life and you just don't know what it is. Mm. Well, there's a couple of things that come up for me, James, hearing you, you know, speaking to this. I, I know knew some of this, but I know you don't have to quit your job, but you said, I could not listen. Well, you could have not listened. You could have rationalized like, oh, that was, I don't know. I had indigestion. I don't know. We know the things that we make up about. Reasons for a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. But I just want to underline that, that choice that you made to be in the unknown, to not really understand necessarily what, where that was, or not have to find scientific proof that, people get tapped on the head by their ancestors. And who knows how many, and I'm not saying you you actually have, but sometimes we can look back and say, yeah, maybe there were a couple other nudges that I did ignore, but I'm not going to ignore this one and that you didn't. And you know, this is something I tell women I work with and mothers all the time, because what I'm hearing is tapping into your intuition, honoring your physical body, honoring something that you can't quite understand, but you know, you feel it and it in enough ways, I'm going to use the word make sense, but even if it doesn't make sense, it feels right. And you follow it. You follow that. And I think that's just such an important point to underline, right? And then, then I'm sure there are a lot of choices along the way to keep following it and to, to stay in it. And I'm, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this. I'm sure there were doubts along the way or people questioning what you were doing that you had to face as part of you know, this journey you went on of, I'm going to call it reemergence of yourself or, you know, this discovery of you that you hadn't let yourself till that time. When that happened, I didn't know what my lineage was. So it wasn't as if I was coming home to something that I knew. Yeah. That, that, that didn't happen for another almost 10 years before I found out what my lineage actually was. Mm-hmm. And that's a good, you know, that's a different story. If we have time, we'll talk about that. Yeah, too. for sure. But I had had nudges along the way. I would say that before I ended up quitting my job and walking away from everything, for about two or three, maybe four years before that, this really weird thing started happening to me. People started coming into my office and they started talking to me about their lives. And, and there were times in my, in, as they were doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Why are they telling me these things that I don't really want to know about them? Mm. And then there was this other thing that was happening where people came in. I had a friend one day that said he had a sore shoulder. And I said, let me look. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I put my hands on his, on his back. And, I, and it felt like I closed my eyes. And my hand landed right on top of where the pain was. And I did something. And the pain went away. And he looked at me. And he said, that's amazing. And he told everybody. And then slowly, there was this trickle of people that started showing up in my office. You know, And I had all this work. And I would have sometimes two or three people come in my office a day going, I heard here, I heard there. Or, can, do you have a second so I can? So there were nudges that were happening. And I wasn't paying attention to them. And I think what happened is now that I can look at it, is mm-hmm. my ancestors just kind of, they got to the point where they're going, 
Excuse me. It's like, I'm saying, like this, dude, you need to do this. And, and we're going to keep hounding you until you do. So they did what they did. And that's very unusual, you know, to have that kind of kinesthetic experience. And clear audience, a lot of people have. So I'm not, you know, I'm not in that way special or anything else like that. And then there are a couple other things that, that you actually talked about. And that piece about following your knowing, right? Mm. And understanding how and what presence means like, because we spend most of our time in our head mm. replaying things from our past that we really don't need to replay. And what I think what you're alluding to, and, and I've learned to put it in this way, is what we're doing is we're looking for the sacredness of who we are. Here, here, yeah. And so when we can find and, and understand what that sacredness means, that's when our lives start to, to change because we realize that in some ways, this piece that I hold in front of me and I use every day for myself, I don't know if everybody can see it, but it's <laughs> yeah, I am- too, you know, it sits right here. Right. It says I am important too, because I don't know yeah. if I heard you. Yeah. And and then there's this other thing that you talked about as well. We all have doubt. I still work with doubt every day. The piece inside of that is that I've learned how to move through it and not mm-hmm. let it paralyze me. Right. Mm-hmm. And the and one one last piece. The reason that I walked away and I did everything that I did was because I didn't have tools. And so now. People like what you do and like what I do is giving people tools so that they can move through their lives, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to, I tell people this, you don't have to go blow up your life (laughs) (laughs) like I did. I mean, because I blew everything up. My marriage fell apart. I lost or gave away or just kind of piddled my 401 and everything else like that because I had no idea where I was going and it was it was a journey, you know, into the dark night of the soul and coming out of it, looking around and looking at that and going, whoa, man, let me help people so that they don't have to do that because that, mm-hmm. wasn't, that wasn't comfortable. And at times it wasn't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so much now in what you just said, you know, with that. And well, I love that you said that because I think sometimes when people like consider or think about taking a step in their personal growth journey, you know, or going into that arena, there is this fear that, oh my God, everything's just going to blow up. Right. And I'm going to lose things that I'm comfortable with and all that, but that we have choice in that. Right. I mean, you could have heard that message and went about it in a slower, more measured way, or, you know, I mean, I don't know who knows, like, you know, there isn't one, one way to do it, but that's what felt right to you. And it's, if that's what it feels like, try that and follow that. I mean, there are ways early on in my growth work that I kind of barreled into getting clear and current with my family, you know, and it was just, it was just way more than I or anyone needed, like too quickly without context, without just like, kind of, I I look back on that. I'm like, oh gosh, I would do that so differently. (laughs) Sometimes, um, sometimes just because we're ready doesn't mean everybody else around us. No, is. <laughs> right. And going to come in with a hammer and trying to hammer it over your head that you should be ready and you're going to hear it whether you like it or not. <laughs> so, and then you get to be with like, well, that's how it went for me and that's okay. Right. Or, and, and that's a really good point, you know, Gertrude, because when you're looking at that, that's the way that it went for me. It really is done. I can't go back and change it. 
to, for me to keep spending energy trying, re, you know, analyzing it and figuring out what I could have done differently. It doesn't matter. All those things that you do, it's not going to change what happens. Just can I learn from what happened and I, can I do, do it differently or make different choices yep. moving forward? Yeah. Well, I love that you're saying that because it is something, because I feel like I made that mistake, I do it very differently in my coaching, right? I make sure people and create a vision and set context and ease into it in a way and decide if they even want to have the direct conversations with family and in this, you know, kind of particular clearing and out the past and starting anew. But I'm getting something as we're talking that I can keep putting myself there with them and healing the part of me that didn't would have liked to have done that differently. Right. I don't know. You know, it's not in a like, oh, I'm ashamed or I have to do penance on it. It's just, oh, you know, have more compassion, I guess, is gives me the opportunity to have more compassion for that me. And that's a really good point, because what you're saying is, is to be aware of the emotion that's behind it. Because if the emotion of wanting to clear the air comes from a place of resentment or anger, right, or frustration, Mm -hmm. then that's really the message that's coming in front of the message. And so people may not hear the words that you're trying to use to clear that because they're feeling unconsciously feeling the emotion that's behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this place, it comes from this place of judgment, mostly self-judgment and mostly self-criticism. I tell people, if there was one place that people could work on that would make so much difference, right? If we, all we could do was, well, two things actually, be more present inside of ourselves and watch how much self-judgment we use in our everyday lives mostly towards ourselves, but mm-hmm. also outside of us, our lives would change. That would be so my tip true. for today. <laughs> well, it's it's a tip and it it coincides so well with significant part of my audience that are mothers, mothers of children, but you know, are just holding that big mother space is exactly what you're saying, right? There's so much self-judgment, so much in that arena around the choices we make, you know, in our along the way on the mothering continuum that our culture, our historic family beliefs have been wired in. So we might be hearing it from the outside, but we have it so wired in that we don't even need those voices outside. They're so strong inside, right? And- exactly. Am I a good mother? Was I a good mother? You know, and so I don't think, I think that's a question that can go unresolved in your life mm-hmm. until you get to the point uh, and, and I'm not saying that this is definitive, but at some point, look at that and being able to say, I did the best that I could in the moment, given the choices and the opportunities that I had and the information that I had in front of me. Mm-hmm. Now, knowing what I know now, would I do that the same way? Probably not. So I'm going to forgive that old part of myself and I'm going to honor that journey and I'm going to do what I can here now in this moment. Right. Yeah. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, 
Hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather, if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish, it's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go, it's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. That's what's so beautiful, right? It's like these spaces that are so ripe for our growth, development, healing, you know, and sometimes they're those one like. I think this comes up, I, I was thinking about this earlier, so I'm going to say it here and I think it fits, but I was thinking about how, what I do, and you will have a parallel for you, but like particularly this idea, you know, for mothers to grab onto that, oh, this can be a transformational journey for you. You know, this can be a place where you can rewire and heal. And there's a way that sounds kind of good, but there's there's a way I'm like, continue to have compassion. Like it seems like the last thing you should do, right? Like you just, whether you're in the midst of it or thinking about it, it's like, no, this sounds like a hard enough job as it is. And there's enough like to try and keep myself together just to do the job of being a mother that like, why would I add that to it? There is a way that kind of in that, those raw spaces or those places where we feel I think the veil is very thin, but we feel like we're on the edge. And I think this happens a lot for women postpartum that we don't know what to do with that space that we're in. And it feels so out of control or you feel so lost. 
I would really love us to, you know, reacclimate to that and understand this is a really powerful time. It's a beautiful time and one of kind of a sacred privilege time if you are able to go through something like that. The, um, just the idea that you've had the opportunity to literally physically create this amazing being and just to kind of sit with that sometimes and go, my goodness, just that process in itself is such a sacred journey. And not that we see it as sacred because, I mean, and we can't. But, you know, there's all of these distractions in our day and everything else that's going on. And so, you know, the focus becomes more from a place in some ways of survival, mm-hmm. which is which makes sense. It's, it's, actually, it's actually how, as a species, we've been able to <laughs> still be here, right? And yet we have this opportunity now because of the way that our society is and because, you know, we're not hunter-gatherers where all of our focus and all of our energy is going into that to be able to step back and be in some ways a little bit more philosophical or to look at our lives and look for deeper context, right? Is it important? Maybe. (laughs) In the day-to-day, yet there are places where can I stop myself? And I, you know, I'm sure that you do this as well. Can I stop myself at different points of the day and just come back to, in some ways, ground zero or, or like this level place where I can just kind of breathe, stop, take account of myself, feel where I am, notice the things that are happening around me, and then kind of go, okay, how do I want to move through my day? What are the things that I need to do? And then become more mindful of how we move through that. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yes. Yes. Thank you for, I knew there was a reason to go where I went and you helped focus it and bring that that aspect to it, which is so, so cool and beautiful. And I I think it relates to something that I knew I wanted to touch on, you know, in our time together, which is around boundaries, energetic boundaries, and why those are important for us to understand. And I think with what we were just sharing around, you know, the space and with mothers, it's particularly uh, poignant. It is. And then one of the areas that I talk to pretty much everybody that comes to see me is that understanding of what those energetic boundaries look like and feel like. Because what I'm finding and in most cases is that we don't have a really clear understanding of what they are, and most people don't have a clear understanding of how to create them safely and in a way that you know it doesn't say put up the wall and keep everybody out, which is the only way that we, in some ways we know how to do that. And so we wall ourselves off from people. And yet there's another way of doing it. And the, and the other way is, first is awareness that everything around me, all the people around me and the situations and the events that are happening, I'm being affected energetically. And sometimes it's hard. It's a hard concept because it's not something that's tangible. Yet, I'm going to ask everybody this. Ever walked into a room and felt absolutely safe, like you could talk to everybody and then, or walked into a space and felt like, I can't wait to get out of here. Yes. On an energetic level, you just read what was happening around you. And so there's this huge talk nowadays about everybody being empathic, Mm -hmm. right? And being highly sensitive. And there's truth to that because what's happening is the more 
now we get kind of existential because we're talking about that raising of consciousness and the ways of awareness. And yet inside, as that is happening, we are becoming, again, because we were like this in the past in our history as humans, we are becoming more aware of the energy of the things that are happening around us. And so when we can bring that into present awareness, in other words, that I'm paying attention to it, I can feel when there's someone is angry. I know they're angry. And the, and the mother's really good at this. I know that they're angry. I know that they're sad. I know that they're happy. I can sense all of those things. And that's an important thing to do. And yet at the same time, is there a place when I feel or sense anger or there's anger inside of me that I can stop and go, well, wait a minute, I'm feeling anger. Is all that anger mine? Is all that sadness mine? In the work, it's about understanding that. And, and the way that I talk about that is, can I build a field of energy around me so that I'm aware of how I'm feeling in relationship to what everybody else and where everybody else is feeling? As I'm able to create that, not about, well, I guess it would be a boundary, but that space, then I can start to understand what I have to do. I feel angry. I feel anger from you. Do I really need to do anything with that anger? No. Just for me to be aware of it helps me understand where you are, who you are, how your day is going. So when we start playing, there's so many layers inside of those mm-hmm. energetic boundaries. And, and, and I'm going to stop myself because I can talk about that <laughs> and help people. But I think that's a good opening for people to look at. You baby, maybe being affected more by the people outside of you than you're realizing. But if you're a mother and you have that energetic connection to your children, there has to be some point where we create that space and go, okay, being soul that you are in this world, I'm going to create the space so that you can go live your life and be who you are as the soul or as a human, as the person that's here. And at some point, create that autonomy for you. Mm. I think that's so important what you're saying, right? Is that when we have that awareness, because so much was running through my head because I didn't have boundaries with my mother growing up, right? We Most had of a- us never understood that. No. And this is place of going, okay, I didn't understand that. I'm not going to give myself a hard time. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. But you know, then this, I have thought about it in different ways, like, because I had, you know, made the choice and we do as children in very important ways. And I totally honor the wisdom of us as children to make those choices. And then we just get to, you know, kind of, that's not serving us in my adult life. I can work to change it. And part of that is noticing where it, because then I noticed that there were places in my life I'd put walls up because I was so afraid of having, you know, of being inundated. Yeah. Hurt, like Mm -hmm. overly becoming enmeshed with others, you know, losing myself the way I lost myself in relationship with my mom that I was everywhere. Right. And then you go down that road of codependency and everything else like that. Right. So there's lots of different places that the conversation can go. But yes, there's this place of having that awareness of the space between. Right. Because I want that awareness so that in appropriate ways, I can be close to people. I can be close to my husband or and my daughters, and I can let and be create that safety in my my energetic field and aware that I can set boundaries, put it right back up if I need to. But in this moment, you know, I'm going to allow in, and yeah, I might get hurt 
you know, that it, there could be hurt involved in this, but that's okay. Right. And feeling, yay, I'm human. I get to have those feelings. Right? And it just becomes a whole different game than just protecting myself from it because it was too much as a child. Or I, I don't want to do that again, but there are other things I can do. You made a really good point though. And I think that this is a point that, um, that we kind of highlight. We get to the place where we realize that we have choice. Mm-hmm. That, that's a really important distinction because all the things that you're talking about right now came from a place of realizing that you had the, the opportunity and the choice what to do and what not to do. And I think a lot of times we don't realize we have as much choice or control as we think. So I just kind of wanted to yeah. put that in there because that, that awareness creates that opportunity to make different choices. Mm-hmm. Right. To make different choices. And also, I mean, just this conversation is underlining and thinking about, I said this at the beginning, before you were on, you know, that I've done three sessions with you and that they're 90 minutes long. Right. So I'm saying that so we can have this conversation about the importance of creating space for ourselves. I often term it like self-mothering, you know, taking care of ourselves so we can do all the care work that is very fulfilling. But if we're not taking care of ourselves is going to be draining. But yes, when I first saw that, like, oh my God, 90 minutes, like, what are we going to talk? Like, what are we going to do for 90 minutes? So one, just the making the choice to say yes, you know, to carving out that time is important. I matter. I'm important too, like your note says, right? I'm important too. So giving myself whatever we're going to be doing is just an act of matter, you know, of importance in and of itself. And then we can talk about how when, you know, working with you, like time just kind of becomes a whole different thing. And I don't know, 90 minutes don't equate to like where all the spaces and places we went together. So there's so many places I know. I know that there was a time or two and you looked at me and you said, really, we're done. (laughs) That was 90 minutes. Because of the depth of of how and where the work can go, you know, and again, you bring up a good point. So I want to, again, highlight this is that point of self-care, right? Yes. Because as a mother, we have this tendency to constantly give, and I say we, I'm just talking about that. Well, we all mother. We all have that nurturing ability, right? And so it's that balance of realizing when giving is too much because what it's doing is it's hurting us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, right? There's no space for me inside of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's another there's another example of boundaries, right? Where do I exist inside of the life of my family? And we equate that because this is the shadow of that. We equate that with selfishness. We equate that being self with being in some ways being self-centered. Yes, to an extreme, that could be the case. And yet inside of the balance, there's a place where I hold space for myself as I'm able to hold space for other people. And they they are in balance with each other. Mm. Self-care is part of this transformation process. It is. <laughs> it is. And it I don't want it to become this thing like, oh, so, you know, it gets like an overused buzzword, right? Self-care, you know, because it just, I don't want it to lose its importance. Right? I, I don't want <laughs> it to be minimized, to, right? Yeah, I, just as no. you were saying that, I'm like, oh gosh, we got to hold it, it with such uh, regard and, and importance. 
that's yeah, self, you know self care is what not you've been helping me do. No, no, it's not a buzzword. It's in some ways, is creating a way of life that supports and nurtures not only again not only the people in my lives, but it nurtures my myself. Yeah. Yeah, here, here. And we have a hard time creating that because we feel like I know. there's not enough, right? Yeah, and you know we can make up so many reasons why, like I don't know, we don't deserve it, we don't need it, things are fine. I have a good, decent life. Like you know, for you, it's like oh, I'm I'm living like the dream, right? The American dream. Like why would I disrupt this? Yeah. Right. And but some listening to those small voices that are like, well, you know. There are other things, or what about this? And, you know, are you living, you know, true to yourself? And one other thing I wanted to name is some work that we did together because I, I think I said it in the bio, you know, helping heal generational trauma, you know, and that to me in rewriting the mother code, that's like notice the wiring, not just from your mother, immediate caregivers, but generationally. And what are the patterns? And, I don't think there's any one of us that could stand up and say like, oh, there's never been trauma in any of my lineage, you know, or <laughs> or generations. And I, I like holding that the work I'm doing is helping heal across the time continuum, right? That like my working on myself and seeing where some of that trauma may have come up and, you know, where it's shown up in our work, one of the places is just this awareness that I'm how out of touch I am with my sacral chakra, my second chakra, right? And, you know, it's very vulnerable work to have come up but just in breathing and awareness seeing. So do I have to go do that work? No. Am I, in, is that something that like someone could rationalize is important in our culture? Yeah, we could probably rationalize it away, but, but it is important, you know, for me to feel like fully connected in my body, you know, able to have a full, rich, meaningful life, feeling all the feelings that I want and connected, it's important. And then that's going to certainly have an impact on my relationship with my husband and I believe beyond, right? It's So I just wanted to name that and, and speak as I didn't come in saying, I have, I know I have a blocked second sacral chakra, right? Like, well, you unblock it. <laughs> But the work we've been doing has really been opening that space. Yeah. For most people don't have an awareness of their body to begin with. It's not a judgment or or Mm -hmm. it's just a statement that most people don't have an awareness of their body where they're aware that how the energy is moving through it in the first place. And I'm not the only one that does this work, but as people work with me, that's one of the pieces is about being aware of how the energy is moving through your body and what the feeling of the energy as it's moving through your body and then recognizing as we go deeper where the energy is not moving. So when we talk about that sacral chakra, we're talking about an area of the body that is literally about reproduction. And so you would think that as a woman, you would have this really deep connection to that, especially if you've had children, right? Right. It should have just opened it up and kept it open. (laughs) <laughs> and yet, yet there's these emotional pieces inside of that that we're holding on to that prevent us from being in that space. And, and the important piece I, for me, from an energetic standpoint of being connected to your body in that way, is that that second chakra 
in, in a lot of ways is the connection to your divinity. And I know that I'm going to, and I thought about this as you were talking, it's like, oh, I'm going to sound like it's like woo stuff. And, and I apologize if it does. Yeah, we don't have to apologize for woo. I have a whole episode on not okay, apologizing good. for woo. Okay. No. Good. Yeah. So that energy, that primal creative energy is what, drives other parts of your life as well it's what i create what i'm bringing into the world what i'm wanting to do and and there's this sacredness of that of standing inside of the being able to stand inside of the energy and saying here i am it's kind of like that i am woman hear me roar kind of thing and you know so it's in some ways it's that energy and so when we're able to and this is for men too this is not just for women but when we can connect to that energy in that second chakra, there's this power. And I'm not talking about abuse power, abuse power. I'm just talking about this self-confidence, this anchoring of self that happens inside. So there's that piece. And you're right. All those patterns and all those behaviors, they're unconscious actions that are driving who and what I do and how I react or move to the world. And for the most part, they're unconscious, so we're not aware of them. And and in my work, I've come to this understanding that we have different levels of memory. We have memory that we have that of things that have happened in our lives. We have memory that we literally inherit through our DNA, especially if there's been traumatic issues in the past. The trauma, because it's energy, changes the atomic structure. Now we're starting to talk about physics, right? Yeah. It changes the atomic structure of the DNA strands. And, you know, people talk about epigenetics and things like that. And it actually alters the person or the generational line. And then we have this other layer of memory, which is soul level memory. And that is what the soul brings in. And so, you know, that's a conversation a lot of people don't, you know, that, that's questionable for some people, but for in sure. my work, those are the three places that I see and so the more aware we become of those past traumas, and it's not about bringing them back and reliving them, it's about realizing that they have been creating, in some ways, a mode operandi, how I've worked and how I've moved to the world. And so we be- make them aware so that when those things show up, because in the work, it doesn't go away. What it does is when it shows up, I know what to do with it. I'm aware that it's happening. And I can and go, oh, wait a minute. And, I, and my wife and I laugh because we do this all the time to each other. And she says, you're running a pattern, or I'm about to run a pattern, or I can mm-hmm. feel for running this pattern. And I know what the pattern is just from the work of doing it over years and, yeah. and realizing that the pattern's there. And then, going, okay, James, you can fully step into that pattern, or you know that you can make different choices right now. What are those different choices? That's empowerment. I know. Well, thank you, because that... I know, we can go on forever, right? Exactly, and that's why I was going to say it's both a terrible time to start bringing us to a close and a wonderful time, because I think, you know, you just reflected beautifully, like, you know, your process, but also it's very meaningful to me <laughs> and what we what we can and what's possible for us. And I think that's what I always want to underline, right? Like, oh, yeah, is this work hard? Yeah, it is sometimes. Oh, do we have choice? Yes, but... There's just huge benefits to uh, 
self-awareness and examine life as far as like living this human life as fully as we can, you know, that we've been given a gift to live. And And if I can drop one piece inside there, that maybe helps or maybe makes it more, makes it more convoluted. I don't know. Our lives change and our lives will change when we start realizing that everything that we do has a consequence. In other words, every choice I make is going to create scenarios. And when I take responsibility and realize that the choices I'm making are, are going to take me down these paths, it helps me understand that I can be more in control of the choices that I make, which means my life changes. So I'll, I'll leave that. I'll just All stop right. there. Okay, good. Well, thank you. I'm, that was a great drop-in ad. So I'm going to ask how people can get a hold of you. How do they find out more about you? How you know? What would you like to share here? Obviously, we'll have things in the show notes, but what would you like to say out loud? And then I have one more question for you. Well, you know from our experience that I will talk to anybody for at least a half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I have free consultations. And the easiest way for me to, for people to reach out to me is they can go to my website, www.jamescoinui.com. There's going to be a pop-up that's going to ask them. And there's a contact form there. Or if you don't want to go through all of that, you can just reach out and you can reach out to James at James Kawainui and Kawainui is K-A-W-A-I-N-U-I.com. I get all those emails. Yay. And so I answer those and, and we can set up a time and we can talk and you can see what I do on Instagram and, and I'm on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So you can go back and there's, I have a, quite a few posts there that I'm putting up right now or Facebook, you know, so it all depends, you know. Well, that's beautiful. Sometimes we all need a, a, a different pair of eyes. And that's yeah. what you are. You are for the people that work with you. you. You are a different pair of eyes that give a different perspective on what we're seeing in our lives. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, here, here. So last question mm-hmm. is, what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? Rewriting the mother code means to me, there's, there's two pieces inside of that. It's that there's the self-mothering and the taking care of who I am. Mm-hmm. And also rewriting the mother code is, is realizing that my past doesn't define me. And so what my mother and my grandmother and, and they did, it helps create who I am. And yet I have the choice and the ability to make and, and be myself. So rewriting the mother code is, can I step into a more full understanding of who I am inside of this amazing world that we live in? Yay. So beautiful. James, thank you so, so much for joining me today. And I look forward to having more time with you one-on-one in the near future. And uh, I look forward to my listeners getting to know you and hear, and I'm sure you'll hear from some of them. They could, and, you know, I'm advocating for sitting with you again, but, you know, if people come in and they say, I want to know about this, you know, and there's specific things that people want to talk about, we can always come back and do that as well. You know, oh, of course. Because we touch on we so many touched, things. I know. It's, it's the hardest thing about this doing this. We can go back in an hour and all those things. Exactly. Exactly. A whole year of episodes in there. (laughs) 
Honestly. Well, thank you. Thanks, James. And we'll, I'll be seeing you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and just want to tell everybody to go out and have an amazing day. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Wasn't that awesome? Before we started recording, James was like, are you sure you want to do this today? Because we're recording this on the weekend of our daughter's like, you know, Chicago celebration activities. And he knows that I'm super crazy busy, but I don't know. Somehow I just follow kept following my gut. And I heard so many things that I wanted, needed to hear and felt blessed to be with as far as going into this weekend, you know, trusting my intuition, being fully with myself, allowing my own creativity to flow, watching for the energy in the different rooms and spaces and and opening myself to it and protecting where I need to. So I'm taking all of that with me and more, but I wanted to underline and highlight that I was really glad I followed my intuition on that one. And now I'm dashing off to prepare for our first event tonight with some folks that are in town. We're going to go to a Chicago White Sox game. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to the space and time to be with so many loved ones and so many people that care about Mitch and Morgan and and are in our lives and just want to support all of you to create that in in your life and your world today where you're with people that matter to you and that care about you and want uh, to make sure that that's in your space. And I'm looking forward to doing that this weekend, have some, many opportunities coming up in the coming months to do that. Of course, one of them is my fall retreat that is happening in September 21st to the 25th. Ah, there's such a space where we create and dig in just like we did today on this episode. So please reach out to me. We'd love to have you there. And uh, just find me on my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com and click on events and you will find everything you need to know about it. All right. Wishing you well. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time. 